globally, whether or not the organization is a startup, SMEs, multinationals, or even government or public sector, it goes back to the culture. It yeah. goes back to do they understand what data means in a very simple language? Right. Do they understand the data taxonomy in their sector, in their own organization, and also how exactly they actually manage the data or process the data? It doesn't matter whether you're not in a data functioning role, you mm -hmm. know, even you know, the non-data-driven sector needs also to understand that data language, the data taxonomy. So I always start with culture, understanding that kind of culture, understanding the data taxonomy language, and from there cascade it to the wider business. Doesn't matter, you know, where they are globally or operationally, depending upon the business model, governance structure, you know, and as well as the innovation uh, uh, kind of strategy and even digital strategy too. So when you are able to address this at a cultural level, then it's important to actually simplify and articulate the narratives through scenarios. Uh, what would be the bridge scenarios in your sector or in your world or in your language and in your culture and in your jurisdiction and in your market? Because a GDPR data bridge might not be the same as compared to China. China data bridge scenario might not be the same as compared to you know, uh, perhaps in the US. Yeah. or the same like other jurisdictions as well, even though some of the requirements are like GDPR as baseline, but there's always variation market by market and telling to, to the key risk champions, to the key data champion, to the key privacy security and data governance champion in the respective markets to come up with a data bridge scenario. And this data bridge scenario should be stress test through the tabletop exercise and bringing holistic and multidisciplinary team to really get engaged so that whenever the bridge happened, they know how to react, they know how to respond, they know how to investigate, and they know how to engage with regulators. And importantly, if brand is the premium strategy in the business, manage the PR exercise to the stakeholders, shareholders, and also to the board. That makes sense. So again, look at it from the culture or the strategy perspective and try to embed the process from a culture standpoint, put it in all layers of the organization, define ownership, define champions, and then test it out, test it out through tabletop, test it out through simulated exercises rather than leaving it to a chance because when it happens, you got to be prepared. But, and I'm glad that you also touched upon the risk of data in this itself, because that's how you manage the data risk as, as well, by establishing ownership, by creating a culture of data management and data governance and assigning privacy champions or data champions along with data owners. But the third party vendor risk, which we talked about uh, a moment ago, that's a huge risk. Everyone is working with vendors and everyone is working with global vendors. The borders are more or less non-existent in the digital world. But when we come to the legislative world, we are creating borders more and more by saying data localization, data residency, and so on. So it, it, it's a different world. I mean, compared to 50 years ago, there were the borders and there were the organizations which are manufacturing divisions and they could not move. And now we are having the products which can move the data which moves but now we want to localize data. That time where they wanted globalization, now they want localization. So it's, it's contradictory, it's a paradox.
But in that paradox, there is the third party vendor risk. And with the EU saying, when data travels outside of EU, the GDPR travels along with it. And we all know what happens with the US scenario and with China and India coming up with their own laws. Scenario is only going to be more fascinating, more interesting and more fun for all of us in the consulting world. So how do we manage, how do we mitigate or how do we handle the third party vendor risk in this setup, in this scenario? Because there's no adequacy in true sense. You can do always do your risk assessment, uh, transfer risk assessment. You will effectively, normally I tell people saying, we are all in the same boat. If there was, if the proverbial shit was to hit the fan, we will all be in the same boat. We will all have the same challenges. So only way is demonstrate accountability by documenting. But what is your perspective on that? Sure. I think it's a very, very uh, important uh, question as well, Punit. Uh, I would respond you know, to the question in twofold. The first is globally, we have seen a mosaic of different approaches when it comes to third-party vendor risk kind of accountability and obligation, depending upon how exactly a particular legislation or jurisdiction approach it. We're not just talking about GDPR or CPA, CPRA, or the soon you know, India Data Protection Bill and even the PIPL China and other legislation around the world. But sometimes if you look into sector-specific legislation in the financial services particularly, and as well as a telecommunication you know, legislation, uh, some of this legislation, even directive or uh, uh, code of practices are slightly stricter when it comes to the third party, you know, vendor uh, risk, you know, lens perspective, uh, partly because these sectors are data driven sector and they deal with, you know, sensitive personal data uh, very much, you know, into uh, processing this on a day to day basis. The reason I articulate this is because uh, we are living in the world where interoperability is not is actually a very challenging you know kind of approach you know to 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 a, as a solution there's no perfect solutioning when it comes to addressing this you know to really ensure that okay we maintain you know uh, the baseline but we need to ensure okay out of 1000 you know third party vendor risk uh, vendors that a particular multinational uh, dealing with which vendors are really, really processing sensitive personal data, voluminous personal data. Okay, you need to actually focus with the shortlisted, like maybe 100, and ensure that, okay, it is maintained and consistently managed. Of course, in turn, the challenge will be on resource. The challenge will be on the right tool. The challenge will be on the right investment. And the challenge will be on the upskilling. And this is actually the typical challenges on the ground where the respective jurisdictions or the team in the market needs to deal and manage with. So uh, there's no, you know, some sort of like, you know, one size fits all kind of solution market by market, but assuming that a particular multinational organization has identified, you know, the top, I would say high risk vendors, mm -hmm. start with that first and create a defensible position when it's a defensible position means, all right, yes, these are the top highest risk you know, vendors. And then we will have a narrative and story to tell, assuming 
you know, assuming the board or the crisis committee or the risk committee or uh, the, you know, audit committee or perhaps the third party auditor might want to ask how exactly a particular organization approach this high risk vendor. So, so that's the first fall. And then the second fall, which is very, very interesting, uh, Punit, is that a while ago I mentioned about interoperability. We have seen uh, some organizations that have actually adopted and combined ISO 27701, which is the Privacy and Security Management Control, and as well as ISO 2701 and NIST framework, which is a very, very you know, uh, leading framework originated from the US, and as well as the Data Governance Sedona kind of framework originated from US, but uh, some of the organizations that have regionalized and localized this at the global level. Mm-hmm. And they use this as an alternative and additional measure in addition to the typical you know, risk assessment from the privacy lens perspective. Because when you have this additional layer of controls, additional layer of uh, technical measure by way of certification and stress testing these, the controls, then that will also demonstrate that kind of defensible position. But the reality right now that we are seeing in the market as you're fully experienced and aware uh, Punit as well with your clients and also with the regulators that you have engaged with and with the stakeholders that you engage with, it depends on scenario by scenario. So if I were to be the global CPO or the global CISO or even a CEO or even uh, an investor of a PE firm, I would just ask a very basic question, right? We know that there are too many things that we need to actually uh, mitigate or manage. Tell me the top three highest risks, okay, in terms of the cyber privacy and data governance, okay, in a very, very simple language and why, and how is exactly we need to really, uh, you know, uh, minimize and how to do it. Because it's important to, to actually make this as part of the, C-suite agenda and the board agenda to ensure that you know uh, it's actually you know uh, keep uh, informed you know as part of the risk uh, conversation. Fit for privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www.fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit4privacy.com.